All right, let's open our Bibles, Hosea chapter 9. <clears throat> We're going to finish off our study in Hosea. Hosea, the first of the minor prophets, and uh, Hosea, the living sermon. The message being God's unrelenting love. And uh, we looked in the first study about Hosea marrying this, wo- this woman named Gomer, or Gomer, who is unfaithful and really is a, a huge picture about the people of Israel who are betrothed to God, and yet they are then unfaithful. And God is always calling them back. And, and the picture is for us today. It's, the, it's a picture that is, is uh, uh, eternal, that God wants to have a relationship with us, and He calls us back. We may go our, our own way, do our own thing, but He always is calling us back. And I love that uh, picture in chapter 2 where, where God says, I'm going to allure her lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, a door of hope. And there she will sing, as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. It's just such a beautiful picture. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, difficult stuff in this book and a lot of uh, uh, things that God points out that, that, that is true, but... The, the overall picture is this, is that God wants to restore and that, that hope comes from our relationship with God and that, and that it leads us to have a singing heart. I especially love that part too, is that God wants to put a song inside of us. Chapters 4 through 9, we saw they were the charges. God brought out some of the warnings, and really it was a message that you need to watch out. He says there's no faithfulness. He says there's no love. There's no acknowledgement of God. He says there's cursing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery. The priests weren't doing their job. They were not teaching, and they were not leading the people to know God. There was stubbornness and the rebelliousness in the people, and, and, and really the truth of it is that's us. That's every one of us. We are Gomer. I know when you hear that word Gomer, it makes me think of it too. What what does it really make you think of? Gomer Pyle, of course, because he's he's just kind of like this goofy. Some of you are too young to even know who Gomer Pyle is. I asked somebody the other day if they knew who Mr. Ed was, and they had no clue. I said, oh, you've really missed out. Uh, There used to be programs that that weren't only about sex and violence and, and that. But Gomer Pyle was the goofiest guy, but, but uh, Gomer here in this situation is probably pronounced much differently. Uh, Hebrew pronounced, uh, he, where'd Anthony go? There he is. How did you pronounce it in Hebrew? Gomel. Gomel. Like L? No, it's like an R. Like an R that sounds like an L. And uh, that's us. That's us. Israel, you know, the example and, and what happened in the life of, of Hosea and, and, and some of the other things that he pointed out there that Hosea pointed out in, this, in that section that they were going to others for help rather than going to God. They were insincere. They would call out to God, but they really didn't mean it. It was just a kind of a show. And it says there that they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind, that we reap what we sow. But it's actually worse. We sow the wind and we'll reap the whirlwind. But God's heart 
found in, in Hosea, he says in, in chapter 7, he says, I long to redeem them. I long to redeem them. I want them back. So the final lesson, God's longing for our return, looking, waiting, watching. We're going to hit some high points in, in, in the last uh, chapters here in, in uh, Hosea. Is, is really about God's heart. And God's message to you and to me is always the same. It's return, come back, return to me, he says. Look at chapter 9, verse 7. It says, the days of punishment are coming, the days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this, because your sins are so many and your hostility so great, the prophet is considered a fool, the inspired man a maniac. God sent prophets, and, and, and Hosea being one of them, he would send prophets who would send them the message, give them the message, listen, you're, you're going the wrong direction, you need to turn around, you need to get on the right track. Again and again it says that he would send them the prophets to speak to them. Again and again God sends his word. In 2 Chronicles it says this, the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers. They despised his words and they scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. They kept refusing him, rejecting him again and again and again and again. But God had pity. He would send his messengers to them. Again and again. When I was looking for this verse, I did a search, you know, for these words again and again. And, and another verse popped up and it kind of struck me. I didn't mean to use that word as a pun, but it says in Matthew chapter 27, it says, speaking about Jesus, they spit on him. They took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. God would send his, his messengers, the prophets, to us, to his people again and again. But Jesus Christ took that again and again upon himself. The love of God for you and for me that sent his son Jesus. How about chapter 10, verse 12? I think this is one of the key verses in the book of Hosea. Chapter 10, verse 12 says this, So for yourselves righteousness... And reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. He says you need to sow the right stuff. That principle all throughout the Bible, we read it in Galatians 6. Don't, you know, God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. There's a spiritual principle. He says if you sow for yourselves righteousness, you're going to reap the fruit. Of unfailing love, you say, well, how, what, do I, what is righteousness? Righteousness simply means this, right relationships between us and between us and God and between us and other people. So for yourselves righteousness. First, we need to get right with God. That's number one. And then right living. If we sow the right kinds of seed, we're going to reap the right kinds of fruit. But look what he says there. He says we're going to reap this unfailing love. This unfailing love. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. I was thinking about that 
reading this verse, whose unfailing love are we going to reap? Not ours. We're going to reap the fruit of His unfailing love that He's calling to us again and again and again. Break up your fallow ground. And this, this, this word unplowed ground, fallow ground, meant ground that had just been left for a long, long time. It was idle. Nothing going on there. It became very, very hard. And the only thing that would grow there were what? Weeds, that's it. You know, when I grew up in, in San Diego, um, we lived in a kind of a suburban area, and it wasn't that nice of an area. I guess it wasn't so bad back then, but, but our house, we lived on a corner, and our house, there was no grass on the yard. And people would just cut across that because it was, it was just hard, hard dirt. Because nobody in our family might, you know... My dad wasn't around, but nobody else had had any kind of ambition to make grass grow there, to do any work to that. But when my mom got remarried and, and my uh, stepfather came, you know, they, he got that thing looking like it was supposed to look because he put some effort into it. He did the right thing. He planted the right kind of seed. But before that, it stuck out, you know. It was this hard, hard ground, this hard lot. I was kind of embarrassed by it, really. Didn't make me do anything about it, but that Chapman house over there with the hard ground. He says it's time. It's time to seek the Lord. When's the right time to seek the Lord? Now. Not later on. Not, not when it's a more convenient time. Not when it's better. And now is the time to seek the Lord. That's what he's talking about here. Break up the ground. Do what you need to do. Seek the Lord. Get right with Him. And let Him, let him shower His righteousness on us. How about chapter 11, verse 1? You see in these verses, here in chapter 11, these first few verses, the, the, really the heart of the Father... He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals. They burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. What a beautiful picture it is of what the father was doing for the son. If, you, if you've had a, an opportunity to help a little child learn how to walk, what an incredible thing that is. That's what he says there. He says, I, I taught Ephraim to walk. I took, took them by the arms. I, I healed them. I, I lifted the yoke from their neck. I bent down to feed them, to take care of them, he says, but their, re, their re, rejection of me and my love. Look at verse 7 there in, in chapter 11, the first part of, of verse 7. He says, my people, he still calls them my people, but he says, my people are determined to turn from me. Determined to turn from we make decisions, we make choices, we're determined to do what we do. We're not forced to do anything. The devil didn't make me do it, despite what Flip Wilson used to say. We make choices. Verse 8. Look what look what the Father says. How can I give you up, Ephraim? 
How can I give you up? Think about that. How can I give you up? How can I give up on you? That's God's heart. That's God's unrelenting love. How can I give you up? Look at chapter 12, verse 6. It says, but you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. You must return to your God. He's not going to force you to come back. He's not going to force you to have a relationship with him. I don't know about you, but, but if you try to have a relationship with someone and it's built on what you're, you're kind of buying the relationship or you're forcing it to happen, it's not a very good relationship, is it? Not a very, very satisfying relationship. It, it, the father says, you know, I, I, I want to have this relationship with you. I can't give you up. I love you. I, I want to have uh, this relationship. But he says they must return, and you and I must return to the Lord our God. Look at Joel, the next book, which we'll get to after we, after we study the book of Colossians. But it's the next prophet. Next minor prophet, Joel chapter 2. Look ahead a few pages. And he, kinds of give, he gives a little bit of description about what this means. Joel chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your what? Heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning. That, that, that This is serious. He says, rend your heart. And not your garments, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. If they would continue in their own path, calamity was sure to come, but when you and I return to him, he relents because he is gracious. He's compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. But we've got to return to him with all of our hearts. Back in Hosea chapter 13. In verse 4, he says, But I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, and you shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. How many ways are there to get right with God? How many? Only one. There's only one, and, and, and G- Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through Him. There aren't a whole bunch of ways to get right with God, and, and, and God says, there's no Savior except me. He says it again in Isaiah, I am the Lord. Apart from me, there's no Savior. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. They were going to all sorts of different ways, all sorts of different avenues, all sorts of different false gods to find some hope and help and, and health and, and life. But there's only one, there is only one hope that you and I have. Look at verse 6, chapter 13, verse 6. When I fed them, they were satisfied. And when they were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me. Do you know what he's saying there? We, we get satisfied, we get sort of everything we need, and then we get proud, and then we get complacent, and we turn away from God. And, and, and it's, it's just a natural occurrence for us as human beings, but, but we need to be careful. You and I in this country, we have more than any, 
any uh, other country on the face of the earth. We, we have so much. I, I, I was talking to somebody uh, last week, and he said, and he's, you know, he's, uh, he's disabled. He can, he can barely see. He can't do a whole lot, and he's, you know, relying, he has to rely on, on uh, you know, uh, programs to help him survive, he's, but he's got a, an apartment, he's got the, all the food he needs, and he says, you know what, you and I, we're in the top 8% of the whole human race. We here in America are in the top 8%. 92% of the world are, are do not have what we have here. He says, I may be in the bottom of the 8%, but he says, you know, I'm still in the 8%. I'm still in the top. We, we are, I heard someone else saying, we are ridiculously wealthy in this country. Ridiculously wealthy. And we complain because the cable isn't working or the internet is slow and it, it has a hiccup in it. Or, or we, we complain about so many things. When you're eating and been satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land He's given you, it says in Deuteronomy. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. He says, when you eat and are satisfied, you build fine houses and you settle down. When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God because of all the stuff, because of all the things that take away our attention and our focus. How about verse 14? See if you've heard this verse before. He says, I will ransom them from the, ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? Does that verse sound familiar to you somewhere? Where did you hear that before? Where? Where, O death, is your sting? Right? 1 Corinthians, what? 15, the end of the chapter. He's quoting from this verse here, looking back. God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. I will redeem them from death. This is what God wants to do. This is why Jesus Christ came to redeem us from death. Our two biggest enemies are sin and death. They're not death and taxes. Taxes is nothing compared to sin and death. Sin, we need a Savior. We need forgiveness for our sins. And death, we need victory over death. Jesus Christ, He died for our sins upon the cross. He rose from the dead, defeating death. We're forgiven because of what He did on that cross. And we have victory over death because of His victory in the resurrection. The finale, chapter 14. Did you ever think we could go this quickly through a book in the Bible? Now, I know you need to go and read all the rest of the verses, but the idea is that when you hear the word Hosea, you're going to think about the fact that God loves us and God wants us to be His. And we are Gomer. <laughs> That's right. That'll help you remember. The finale in the chapter 14, the last chapter, look at verse 1. He says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your gods. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you 
and return to the Lord, say to him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Verse 4, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. Isn't that interesting in verse 2? He says this is a sample prayer. You say, well, you know... uh, we, we, we lead people in prayers and we, we give them an idea of what it is to pray and that's not really biblical, well, but it is biblical. We see it right here. He gives them a sample prayer to pray. How do you know unless someone explains to you the way to get right with God? You go and you pray and you pray like this. Forgive all our sins. Receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips that we need to come to God and say, God, I'm lost. I'm, I'm a, such a sinner. I need the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. And he says, I will heal them and I will love them freely. Verse 5, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. I like that. He says he will blossom like a lily. God wants to... God wants to, to bring us to that place where we're blossoming for him. There's a flower out in front of my house. I, I can never remember the name of it. What's the name of that flower? The big white one? What? Hibiscus, that's it. You know what a hibiscus looks like? It's like this, the flower is like this large and there's these these kind of spindly looking things that come up and then all of a sudden you go out and overnight they just bloom and there's this huge giant blossom there. Incredible. And then they, they last for a few days and then they kind of fade away and then, and then you go out there again and another one opens up. It's, it's incredible. But God wants, to, wants you and I to blossom like, like a, a flower. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he'll send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Verse 8. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree, and your fruitfulness comes where? From me. We kind of wonder and we wander and and we wonder why there's no fruit in my life. There's nothing happening in my life. There's nothing good coming out of my life. And and, and, and most of it is because we've wandered off and we're, we're trying to grow our own fruit. We're trying to make it happen on our own, but we can't do it. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You need to abide in the vine. Abide in me, he says, and, and you'll, you'll have fruit come forth. Your fruitfulness comes from me, God says to each one of us. And finally, the last verse, he said, Who is wise? Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble in them. Notice he says there, the ways of of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but the rebellious will stumble in them. If we want to figure out what's going on, we, he's given us the message here. If there's any wisdom, if there's any discernment, we're going to see that what God is telling us is, is the, the right way to go. We have a choice. 
We can either walk in His ways or we can stumble in them and try to go our own way. We have a choice. Let me read to you a quote by a man who was studying these, 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 this book. He says, these final words, he says, the point they drive home is that the prophecy is open-ended. Its eloquence and passion could win Israel to repentance or could leave her unmoved. The response was hers to make, but not only hers, the whoever or the who of this verse suddenly exposes us to the same searching encounter for the word of God goes on speaking. It never slips safely into the past. The word of God is alive today and the same thing that was written to them back then in the 700 B.C.'s is for you and I today. Who is wise? Who is wise of, among us today? Who is discerning among us today? That we will realize and we'll understand that the ways of the Lord are right and we make a decision to walk in His ways, to do it His way. We have to make that decision every single day when we get up, every single day, every, every time, uh, all the different times and choices we make throughout the day. Are we going to go this way? Or are we going to go that way? Are we going to watch this? We're going to listen to this. We're going to do that. We're going to look at this. What are we going to do? We make decisions over and over. And God says, and we heard some testimony about it here, where he changes the way we think that we're going to do it his way. And we surrender, say, you know what? I'm tired of, I'm tired of all that. I'm going, to, I'm going to walk in your ways. Because the ways of the Lord are right. They're always right. I don't know, it, maybe, maybe you're married and you know that your partner's always right. It's not always true, I have to tell you. But sometimes it's better just to agree. But the, but the point of this is that God's ways are always right. Always right. We try to say to him, you know, I'm not quite sure you got that one right, God. And he says, no, 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 no. God's ways are always right. One preacher said these words. He said, some people sow wild oats during the week, and then they slip into church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. <laughs> what we sow is going to come up. God's ways are always right. Let's do it His way. Let's do it His way. So the book of Hosea, you can find it. It's the first book of the minor prophets. And you need to know the message is that God's heart is that no matter what we do, and we wander off sometimes and go our own ways, that His heart is for us to return and follow Him and walk in His ways. To live for Him, to listen for His voice. And if, and if we have wandered, the message is always to return, that He longs to redeem us, that He, that he wants to... to to show us the way and, and heal us, heal our waywardness. Hosea, it's not a, it's not a closed book. It's an open book and it, because it's about a God who has an open heart for you and for me. But we have to go and do it His way. That's Hosea's message. And that's the heart of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Father, we thank You for Your heart of love for us, Your slow to anger, you're compassionate. You're full of forgiveness and that, 
and that when we return to you, a calamity can be averted. Father, we, uh, we're just humans, and we're no different than the people of Israel. We're no different than Gomer. But, but Lord, we, we know that your word says, please return, come back. I'm waiting, I'm looking, I'm watching. And that's your heart for us. Father, I, I pray that you'd prevent us, that you would show us, protect us from going certain directions because the fruit will come up and, and, and we better better off not to sin than to sin and be forgiven. Help us, Lord, to, to lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil that we might walk with you and, and walk in your ways and save ourselves a whole bunch of grief and heartache and, and ugliness and bad fruit. But yet your, your heart is still that, that, that no matter what, you're, you're willing to take us back. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Father, I pray for each person here today, Lord. You had each person here. They made a choice to get up and come, to be here, and, and to spend this hour and a half with your people and to sing and to look at your word and pray. And I pray that you'd speak to each heart, Lord, maybe one word, maybe one message, one part. Maybe you, you want to show them that, that uh, you're going to turn that valley of trouble into a door of hope. Maybe they need to get the pickaxe out and, and start uh, breaking up that ground. Their hearts have gotten hard. Maybe they've forgotten that you'd love them, that you sent your son to die for them. That, that we might have relationship with you. Lord, each of us are, are here this morning. We have needs. We're, we're messed up. We're just human people. And we need you desperately. Your, our fruitfulness comes from you. We, we call upon your name this morning, Lord. I pray as well for any who perhaps have never come to that place of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We just read a sample prayer where he says, forgive us of our sins. And, and that we can pray and come to you, Jesus, and say, Jesus, be my Savior, forgive me. I turn to you today. I give my heart and life to you. I'm lost today. If that's you this morning, simply pray along with me maybe along with others who are in the same place. And turn to Jesus Christ today. There is no other way. There is no other Savior. There is no other hope. Maybe that's you this morning. That's why we have this opportunity right here and right now for you to call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. call upon your name this morning. Father, thank you for blessing us and Lord, may our hearts stay soft before you. May our hearts not become proud before you. 
but realize that it's all a gift. It's all been given to us. We pray for Anthony and Irene and, and their ministry in Israel. We pray that you would bless them. Uh, we do pray for Irene, that she would not overdo it this week and uh, help the things just to get done in the right time. Maybe send some more helpers there to help right now. We pray for the camp of worship uh, that we're going to, uh, Anthony and a few more of us uh, in, in the uh, Berkshires, Lord, to work with uh, teens. We pray that you'd bless that time as well, that we could um, encourage young people to sing a song of worship, a song of praise. God, we thank you most of all that you love us that your love never stops, your love never fails. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing one more song today.